Well, I am extra excited to introduce our speaker tonight. It's my favorite human being. Uh, tonight, Emily Vanderklok, my wife, will be speaking. And uh, so I am very excited about that. Besides being my wife and the mother to six, she also oversees the community health department for local uh, Native American tribe here. And um, yeah, we, we got somebody, somebody representing back there. Um, and uh, as well as just finished her master's degree about a week ago. And, uh, but more importantly, she is a woman who loves God, who hears from the Holy Spirit. And uh, she told me a few weeks ago, she said, I feel like God gave me a message and I don't know what I'm supposed to do with it. And I said, you know, I think you're supposed to give it. And so that's what's happening tonight. So come on up, Emily. All right, share what the Holy Spirit has put on your heart. Okay, is this on? Everyone can hear me? We're live and rolling. Well, first of all, I just want to say that was some amazing worship. I loved it. How about you guys? Is it awesome? Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate that. I could worship all night. So amazing. Um, let's open in prayer. Lord, I thank you so much for each and every person that's here tonight. Lord, I ask that you would bless our time together. I release my tongue to the Holy Spirit and I ask that revelation knowledge would flow freely through this place. I ask, Lord, that any words that are spoken that need to be remembered, that they would be implanted in hearts and minds. But any words that do not come directly from you, Lord, I ask that they would go in one ear and out the other, never to be remembered in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I'm so excited to be here tonight to share with you. And as Josh mentioned, God didn't just put a message on my heart. You know, we hear people say that, right? God put that on my heart. But for me, it was more like he downloaded it directly into my brain. It was pretty cool. So several weeks ago, I was finally laying my head on the pillow after a really exhausting day. And I was ready to sleep like you would not believe. I had actually just finished submitting all of my assignments for that master's program he mentioned. So my brain was pretty fried. And I laid down and started getting this message point by point by point. And at first I said, quiet down brain, you've done enough for one day. But then I realized, no, this is God. And this, these thoughts are way too coherent to come from my brain at this hour in the state of exhaustion. So I got up. I wrote down everything that God was sharing with me, and I went back to bed and I slept like a baby. So in the next coming days, as I was starting to lay it out, the one thing I was really concerned about was how in the world I could lay out the scriptural foundation needed for this message to make any sense. And I said, God, how can, how can I do this? How can I have time in one message to lay the groundwork and get to all these awesome points you've just downloaded into my brain. And I just felt the Holy Spirit say, oh, don't worry about it. I gave you this teeny tiny piece to worry about. That's your one thing. You worry about that. And sure enough, that Sunday, Pastor Duane started a sermon series on the power of our words in releasing faith, the exact scriptural foundation I was so worried about. 
Amen? God's pretty awesome, right? So my first question is, how many people here tonight got a chance to listen to either one of Pastor Dwayne's messages on the power of our words? It's almost everybody. Awesome. Awesome. That is definitely what I wanted to hear. So even if you didn't get a chance to hear one of his messages, if you've been in church for very long, you can probably fill in this Proverbs blank. The power of life and death is in the tongue. Is in the tongue. There is no shortage of Bible verses on the power of our speech, the power of the spoken word. And there's no shortage of Bible verses on our power and authority as Christians. But to recap a little bit, first let's go to Matthew 16, 19. And this verse says, I will give you the keys, authority, to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Now, how many of you recognize that there's a cause and effect represented in that verse? That our speech causes something to happen in heaven, right? We have a role to play in what plays out. Does that make sense? We have the power to bind and we have the power to loose. What we speak here on earth has impact in heaven. John 6, 36 says, It is the spirit that quickeneth the flesh profits nothing. The words I speak unto you are spirit and they are life. Jesus is literally telling us that his words are spirit and they are life. That the words he speaks has spiritual implications. Revelation 12, 11, this is one of my favorites, says they triumphed over him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. As Pastor Duane pointed out in his message, I think it was two Sundays ago, oftentimes, without realizing it, our speech can allow attacks in our lives and in our bodies. Do you guys remember that? And there is nothing the devil would like more than to use our words against us. So how we speak about our situation, that's our testimony. And our testimony plays a huge role in what we allow to manifest. So my next question is how many of you left Pastor Duane's message thinking, oh boy, I better be more careful about how I speak, about my life situations, about my health. Did you come across, yeah, a few hands? And I also am wondering how many people are following that logic. Those verses make sense. You agree that our words have spiritual implications and our words have power beyond the natural. A few hands. Yep. Okay. So I'm not going to camp out building the foundation because Pastor Duane just did that. So if you'd like to hear more about that topic, I encourage you to go to reslife.org. 
check out those archived sermons and hear everything he had to say on that topic. Because tonight what I'd like to do is launch off of that foundation to the next level higher and talk about how those same principles play out in the church and in the body of Christ. Are you ready? Okay. So I want to start by telling you a story. And in order to tell you that story and have it make sense, I need to build a little context. So the context is one of my spiritual gifts that I have is the gift of discernment. I've had that my whole life. And one way that that plays out for me and that I feel it is I literally feel the Holy Spirit. I feel his presence physically on my body almost all the time. And that might be um, tingling. It could be burning. It could be, you know, just sensations on my body. And the Holy Spirit transmits different thoughts and feelings that way um, to me. So a while back, I was driving in my car. I have a long commute a couple days a week. And on my commutes, I pray and I worship. I pray and I worship. And a new song came on my playlist. And I'm listening to this song and really hearing it for the first time. And I feel the Holy Spirit, like, humming along to the song, like, with exuberance, right? And it was almost like he was saying to me, do you hear this song? Do you hear this? Isn't this awesome? And I said to him, yeah, this is awesome. Because I do that. I, I talk to the Holy Spirit. And then I felt him say, my kids, my kids did this. Isn't this cool? Kind of like a proud dad. And I said, yeah, this is amazing. And then the Holy Spirit started to reveal to me specific groups of people that would be impacted by this song. And he started showing me um, moms and caregivers who have a really difficult job. Whether it's a mom with foster children or children with trauma or blended families or, you know, special needs children. And he was just revealing his heart to me about those groups of people and showing me how this song would impact them. And it was a pretty powerful moment to feel that love and emotion that he had for those people. So several weeks later, when I felt him to prompt me to post it on social media, I did it even though that's not part of my normal practice. And like so many scriptural things or posts that you might see in social media, it didn't get a lot of interaction. But on the back end, it did some amazing things. I had people coming up to me, calling me, texting me like, oh, I needed to hear that so badly, you have no idea. But my favorite story about how this impacted someone came from a coworker. My coworker called me up and she said, you are not going to believe what just happened. I'm like, what? What just happened? No, really, this was so God, you're not going to believe it. So, okay, okay, tell me, what, what happened? And she explained that she heard that song on my social media page and she said, I didn't really like it. I didn't care for it. But as she was listening to it, God was highlighting a specific person in her life who needed to hear it. And so she shared that song with them. And about half an hour later, that friend called her back 
in tears, just completely emotionally overwhelmed. And she said, you have no idea what that meant to me. She said, I've been struggling taking care of my special needs daughter. I have been feeling overwhelmed. I've been feeling like I can't go on. And that song was like God came and gave me a giant hug and just loved on me and told me, I see you, I'm with you, I'm here. Awesome, right? Pretty amazing how God orchestrates things that we don't even know it's happening. Now, the sad part about my story is that I have heard many Christians speak out against that very song God is using. Against it. In fact, there are entire churches that won't allow it in the door. Mainly due to one word in the second chorus, that word is evolve. And people are so offended by the one word that they're not allowing the song into their church. And you guys, I have to tell you, when I hear that, I feel the grief of the Holy Spirit, and it grieves him. It grieves him. When we speak out against something he is blessing and using, the grief he feels is incredible. So I want to turn to Ephesians 4, 30 to 32, where it says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, and anger, and clamor, and slander be put away from you along with malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. So I have a question. How many people in here are parents? All right. You know, Mother's Day is around the corner. A little shout out. Don't forget about Mother's Day. So let's just say that your three-year-old and your 10-year-old are bringing you a picture. They're coloring. They're working hard. They're bringing you a picture on Mother's Day to show their love to you. Are those pictures going to look the same? No. So the three-year-old is going to be scribbled. They probably are still holding the pencil like this instead of this, right? They're scribbling all over. Maybe their son looks purple. Their M's are probably upside down instead of mom. It's like, wow, wow, mom, awesome. And then you open your 10-year-olds, and it's this beautiful picture. The sun is yellow. It looks the way it's supposed to look. And he's written you an entire paragraph about how awesome you are. Now, as a parent, do you love those pictures any different? Or do they both go on your fridge? You love them both. And I think sometimes, you know, we have the tendency to judge Christians based on maturity level, right? And we're all at different developmental stages spiritually, okay? So do you, would you ever dream of cursing your three-year-old because his picture wasn't awesome yet? Would you say, well, you're clearly not going to amount to much, Look at that purple sun. Would you do that as a parent? No. 
But would you agree that as a society, we're pretty cavalier with our speech. We're pretty casual. We just spout off about this, that, or the other thing. And we don't really consider the consequences of our words, do we? We speak out against songs, sermons, books, ministries, people. You know, we'll talk to our friends, our relatives. We'll post stuff on social media. We're very, as a society, as a, you know, the whole, we're very critical. And I'm wondering, are we inadvertently cursing our three-year-old Christians? Sometimes I think that the more we know, the more intelligence we have, the more we understand, the easier it is for us to point our finger at things that aren't quite up to our standard or our spiritual development level. So the question I want you to have in your mind as we're going through this message is, what are we binding and what are we loosing when we speak against something God is blessing? Now, I probably listen to 500 sermons a year, probably, conservatively. I just like them. And I have the head knowledge to really critique those sermons. And I can see how it's a little fun, actually. <laughs> right? You can, you can really pick things apart if you want to. In fact, I'm going to use an example. So my husband frequently uses an illustration that drives me nuts. I don't like it. And he will say, don't think about the elephant. Don't think about its big floppy ears or its big trunk or its tusks or its great. And he goes on and on and on. And of course, you're thinking about the elephant, right? That's the point. And every time he does that, I'm like, not the elephant again. Please, not the elephant. But can you imagine if someone were sitting next to me who really loved elephants, how that might impact them differently? They might be, oh my goodness, God's talking to me. Nobody would know how much I love elephants, right? The same illustration that seems super silly to me could be really impactful to the person sitting next to me. And the same is true for worship songs. The worship song that I don't love, I don't like a word in, might be the same song that is really speaking to somebody else and that God is using to bring hearts deeper and deeper into worship. And the same is true for books. You know, a book that might seem spiritually mature to me might be just the book God is using to touch the hearts of non-believers. Guys, God does not plant full-blown oak trees, does he? He plants seeds. And who am I to judge what God is using to further his kingdom? So when we verbally criticize, what are we binding and what are we loosing? One place I personally never want to be is opposing the will of God. That's a pretty dangerous place to be. So my next question is, where in the Bible 
does it say we have to be perfect to be used by God? Has anyone ever seen that in the Bible? No? It's not in there, you guys. I looked hard. It's not in there. It's not in the Bible. And as Pastor Duane pointed out when he was talking about Gideon, he said Gideon was the Barney Fife of the Barney Fife tribe, the lowest of the low. And if you look back through Scripture and even church history, you know that's kind of God's norm, right? He doesn't pick the stereotypical perfect person. He picks the broken person with the baggage and he uses them. Because God does not call the qualified. He qualifies the called. So what does that mean for the body of Christ? What it means is we are a bunch of imperfect people trying to reach a bunch of imperfect people, right? And pretty much anything we look at will have flaws because we're not perfect. No one's perfect. There are no perfect songs, books, sermons, people, churches, ministries, And quite honestly, if perfection existed, we wouldn't have needed Jesus. But all have fallen short of the glory of God. None of us are perfect. Matthew 7, 1 says, Do not judge so that you will not be judged. For in the way you judge, you will be judged. And by your standard of measure, it will be measured back to you. Do I want to be measured up to perfection? An impossible standard? Certainly not. You guys, every day of my life, I claim the blood of Jesus because I'm not perfect. And I fail and I fail and I fail. And every day of my life, I thank God for allowing me to have a relationship with him, an intimate relationship with his Holy Spirit because I don't deserve it. Jesus was the only perfect one. None of us live up to that standard. And you guys, it just, it really breaks my heart to think about the impact of our thoughtless words on the church and on the body of Christ. And I just wonder, I can't help but wonder, how many more of our three-year-old Christians would feel compelled or would be able, emboldened, to stand up, to operate in their gifts, to grow spiritually, if we removed criticism and the standard of perfection from the church. James 3, 9 to 11, says, With the tongue we praise the Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. The words we speak can impact a person's destiny. Our words are spirit and they are life. The words we speak can bind and loose things in heaven. James 3, 5 to 6 says, Likewise, the tongue is just a small part of the body, 
but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the part of the body. It corrupts the whole body. We cannot afford to let our tongue to corrupt our physical body. We cannot afford to have our tongue, our speech, corrupt his body either, the body of Christ. So some of you might be wondering, is criticizing really the same thing as cursing? So I want to go back to the first verse, Matthew 16, 19, but this time I want to look at it in the Amplified Version. It says, I will give you the keys or authority of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind, forbid, declare to be improper and unlawful on earth will have been bound in heaven. This says that declaring something improper is an example of binding. That sounds like criticism to me. Romans 14, 13 says, Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. So if declaring something improper is binding it, at a minimum, criticism is placing an obstacle or a stumbling block in our brother's way. And I would go out on a limb and say it's an obstacle and a stumbling block both for the person we're criticizing and for the person who's hearing it, right? Because there's spiritual implications when we're criticizing and binding. But then also, if we're talking to a new believer and we're criticizing, we're talking about this, that, and the other thing, we're kind of impacting the, their comfort in standing up and using their own gifts, right? They're going to be like, wow, I thought it was pretty good. And if they're criticizing that, I mean, what would they say about me if I tried, right? So we're really creating a very negative environment when we do that. Romans 12, 14 to 16 says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Be of the same mind toward one another. Do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Why do you think God tells us to bless and not curse and rejoice with those who rejoice? From my experience, I think oftentimes those declarations are in the Bible to instruct us because there's spiritual implications when we follow them. Remember that Jesus said his words are spirit and they are life. So I want to give you a couple of examples. If you hang around this church very long, you will undoubtedly encounter a story of supernatural provision. Right? So maybe a family that's down and out financially, no one knows about it, they're struggling. Someone walks up to them with a check for $10,000, says, I felt led to give this to you. Awesome. Can we rejoice with them? 
Yeah, but, but what if I'm struggling financially and I'm working three jobs to make ends meet and I'm just, oh, isn't it human nature to be like, uh, where's my $10,000? What about me? Hey, I'm here too. Or what if we see we're working hard for the kingdom and we are doing everything we can and we see somebody else over there getting lifted and anointed and blessed. Human nature might be like, well, what about me? What about me, God? Or what if we see somebody get healed and we're here struggling with our own chronic illness? Aren't we a little bit jealous, maybe? That would be human nature, wouldn't it? Luke 16, 11 to 12, says, Therefore, if you have not been faithful in the use of unrighteous wealth, who will entrust true riches to you? And if you have not been faithful in the use of that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? How we respond to someone else's blessing that which is another's, determines our level of blessing. We have to be faithful in the use of what someone else has before we get our own riches. 1 Peter 3, 8-9 says, To sum up, all of you be harmonious, sympathetic, brotherly, kind-hearted, humble in spirit, not returning evil for evil or insult for insult, but giving a blessing instead, for you were called for the very purpose that you might inherit a blessing. You give a blessing, you inherit a blessing. This is a scriptural principle I really want to sink in. So if we are withholding a blessing from someone because, oh, well, yeah, they, that's spiritually mature for whatever reason, I don't like this, I don't like that. We're not only impacting the level of their blessing, we're impacting our own. We bless, and then we're blessed. Can you imagine if we were all running around blessing each other? How awesome that would be? I bless you, I get blessed, I bless you. You know, we would be, oh my gosh, just imagine. It would be amazing, right? So, so what do we do? What do we do with this information? It's pretty clear that we need to bless what God is blessing, even if it isn't perfect. And every word we speak should align with the will of God and what has already been loosed in heaven. So my next question is, what do we do if, if we're not sure, if we're not sure if God is blessing this? Maybe we don't like a word, maybe we don't like a strategy, maybe, I mean, there's just something we don't like. We're just not sure. In Acts, we encounter a story in which the high priest counsels the Pharisees on how to deal with the apostles. This is Acts 5, 38 to 39. So in the present case, I say to you, stay away from these men and leave them alone. For if this plan of action is of men, it will be overthrown. But if it is of God, 
you will not be able to overthrow them, or else you may even be found fighting against God. And what is the one place we never want to be? Opposing the will of God, right? Luke 9, 49 to 50 says, John answered and said, Master, we saw someone casting out demons in your name and we tried to prevent him because he does not follow us. But Jesus said to them, Do not hinder him, for he who is not against you is for you. That's pretty awesome. And how often do we do that? We see someone doing something not exactly the way we would do it. And we criticize instead of bless. And Jesus is saying, don't do that. He who is not against you is for you. Now the last point I want to make is that these principles play out one level higher. So we talked about how this plays out in our church, in our interactions with people, and in our interactions with things Christians have produced. But this also plays out one step higher in the entire body of Christ. So my question for you, my first question, how many churches do you think there are in Grand Rapids? Now, you don't have to answer out loud. Just think in your head. You know, we've got Baldwin Street that's in the Guinness Book of World Records for the number of churches. How many do you think we have? Get that number in your mind. You ready for the answer? One church. There's one church. You see, churches, in my opinion, churches are like children with different giftings, right? Josh and I have six kids. We have some that are super athletically gifted. We have some that are really artistic. We have some that are crazy smart. They're different. They're gifted in different ways. They excel at different things. But we love them, right? We love them all the same. And I feel like that's how God looks at churches sometimes, right? This church is super good at singing, and this one's, you know, really good at healing, and this one's, you know, really good at sticking to the Bible. And We have all different giftings, right? But we are all one church, one body of Christ, one kingdom of God, and we all have the same commission. So while we start to consciously speak blessing over other Christians and over our church— even when it isn't perfect, we must remember that this principle applies to other churches and denominations too. And it's time, it's time to bless the body of Christ. Acts 4, 29 to 32 says, And now, Lord, take note of their hearts and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken 
And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. And the congregation of those who believed were of one heart and soul. And not one of them claimed that anything belonging to him was his own, but all things were common property. One heart, one church, one body of Christ, one kingdom of God. Our words have the power to bind, to loose, and to impact destiny. And we must bless what God is blessing. If we can harness the power of our words to release kingdom purpose, to release God's will, not only in our lives and in our bodies, but in the church and in the body of Christ, you guys, we will start to see breakthrough and blessing beyond our comprehension. Ephesians 3.20 tells us that we serve a God able to do exceedingly, abundantly more than we could ever ask or think. Will you join me in blessing the body and loosing God's amazing will into reality? I'd like to close by praying a blessing over everyone here. If you would please stand up for me. Lord, I thank you for our time together tonight. In the name of Jesus, I bind the spirit of criticism, perfection, and intimidation, and I release blessing, boldness, spiritual gifts, and purpose. I loose the spirit of encouragement and unity as we bless other believers and bless the body of Christ. I pray, Lord, that your kingdom come, your will be done in this church and in the lives of every person here tonight. In the name of Jesus, amen.